What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, a man capable of moving markets, J.P. Morgan's Marco Kalanovich, with us momentarily with his latest call on stocks. We'll debate it with our investment committee. And joining me for the hour today are Stephanie Link, Josh Brown, Jim Labenthal, and Jason Snipe, his principal of Odyssey Capital Advisors. Let's begin with stocks coming off their worst day in several weeks. There you go right now. Dow's good for 177. The S&P's higher by 23.5. NASDAQ about one-half of 1%. Now let's welcome in Marco Kalanovich, who joins us live on the phone. He was just named number one in two categories by Institutional Investor, Equity-Linked Strategies, Thematic Research, also added to Institutional Investors Research Hall of Fame. It's a big billing. Marco, welcome. Thank you, Scott. Let's talk about where we are now and maybe more importantly, where we were when you made a big and important call. Back on March 24th, you said the following. I'm going to read it for our viewers. Taking into account the unprecedented monetary and fiscal measures being implemented, as well as unprecedented asset declines over the past month, we maintain that asset price recovery is likely and our pre-pandemic equity price target for 2020 is achievable sometime in the first half of 2021. Of course, stocks were able to recover to new highs. Here we now sit about 4% away on the S&P. It was a great call. I know our viewers want to know where you think we're going now, though. Thank you, Scott. So we are still broadly positive on, on the equities. You know, so as you said, we came a long way from from, from March. Um, our price target right now is 3,600 for the S&P 500. So we still think there is there is an upside. Obviously, there is an important catalyst. So there's some sort of variation based on the outcomes. But broadly, we are we are still positive. And what do you think? What is it based on? What what can people take from this price target? Which, by the way, the team over at J.P. Morgan, uh, which we know well, bumped that price target up to 36. 600 from 3400 just last month why yeah, yeah, we, we, we just bumped it. Basically, we, we achieved, uh, you know, we overshoot our old price target. And, and so, so then when the market pulled back a little bit in September, we bumped it up, actually. Uh, so what is it based on? It's based on a view both on the sort of recovery of economy, call it the reopening that we think is going to happen after election, no matter who wins. It's also based on still unprecedented monetary monetary stimulus, as well as positioning. We think, and our analysis points, that actually equity investors are still below average invested in equity. So as the volatility declines, we think actually market path for the market uh, should be should be higher. So I, I want to take the election issue first and foremost. What would you say is priced in today, and what is not? So what is priced in now is, I think, largely Biden, uh, Biden's win. Um, 
uh, and it's priced, you know, some level of some level of uncertainty post-election in the days post-election. It is priced in in volatility markets. Uh, so, so we we think that we think it's a little bit of complacency. We think it's a closer closer call on election, you know. So we think it can it can go either way, and we also think that actually we won't have sort of the 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 the, the worst case outcomes of, of some sort of paralysis or or something that's going to drag for a very very long time. So we think relatively soon we will know we will know the winner. If there was a contested election, what do you think the outcome would be for stocks? So you know, depends depends how long it lasts and sort of how disruptive it is for economic activity. You know, so if you do have a sort of economic paralysis, widespread protest, violence, we think it it could actually be pretty bad. Now we think that is not going to happen. We we think uh, uh, people will be very reasonable, and 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 you know, soon after election, we will know sort of uh, roughly where we stand. Did I hear you say that you you think there is a bit of complacency? Right now, and maybe you can umbrella that over mm-hmm. not only the outcome of the election, but where the virus is. You've got cases exploding over in Europe, and certainly in, mm-hmm. in parts of this country too. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, on the on the on the virus side, you know, the, the second wave is you know certainly not as deadly, um, and we believe that vaccine will come relatively soon. You know, so uh, whether it's one, two, or three months, we will uh, see vaccine, and you know, markets should be able to look through that. You know, basically, if you look historically, markets usually look three to six months to certain developments, and and we think vaccine is, is pretty likely. You know, there is already vaccine in China and Russia, and I think few of the few of the companies on our our end of the world are are very close to, to delivering some results. So we think basically markets will look through any kind of uh, second way, which is it is uh, less deadly, obviously, than the, the first one. Maybe if you could, you know, characterize it, what would be your more controversial um, part of your call is this move to value, which you think actually mm-hmm. has legs, which I know we've discussed on multiple occasions, at least yes. with my investment committee yes. of, yeah, right. Uh, I'll believe it when I actually see it. And two <laughs> weeks does not a trend make. So why this time? Why is it real? Okay, so absolutely. Look, that that was one of our calls that didn't play out this year. Uh, uh, you know, the, you know, we believed in a, in a sort of uh, a synchronized recovery in January, and then we got hit by a COVID, and and there was some false starts. Why we think now is actually, uh, uh, and you know, now when I say now, I mean post-election and 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 or with um, uh, with the vaccine. You know, so basically, we think that post-election, uh, no matter who is the president. Um, economy needs to start uh, start reopening you know so if you look at the sort of situation that you have in blue states versus red states or if you look at the programs be it from Biden or Trump we think actually reopening will accelerate no matter who is uh, who is who is who is elected president and we will get the vaccine very very soon so so we think those two catalysts uh, will be catalyst for the value. Uh, we think it's going to have uh, legs, and, and it's going to be driven by uh, economic recovery and steepening of a yield curve and, and vaccine, as, as, as I mentioned. Um, so, so we think kind of third time is a charm, um, and, 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 and the end of the COVID or decline of the COVID should be the powerful catalyst for the value. There are other drivers as well. You know, so let's say even uh, if, it's a, if it's a presidency of, 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 of Biden, you know, you could have some of the changes, for instance, in the capital gains tax that could be good for value because people will look to sell momentum stocks to capitalize in a low tax regime. So there would also be infrastructure under Biden. You know, and we know under Trump there would be actually faster reopening. So we think sort of no matter who wins, uh, we think it should, it should be uh, uh, good for value. Also, positioning is very crowded. I mean, we need to acknowledge that people are very much in a momentum trade. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do have my investment committee uh, with me. I'd like to bring them into the conversation, Marco, if I could, beginning with Stephanie Link, who has a question for you. Hey, Steph. 
Hi, uh, hi, Marco. So for value to work, you need better growth, to your point, but you also need an uptick in inflation. So just given mm -hmm. all of this unprecedented uh, liquidity that we've, that we've been seeing year to date and probably more to come, do you think the inflation story starts to build into next year and therefore support your value uh, argument? Yes, we believe we believe that. So we believe that with with the reopening of economy, with economic recovery, uh, you will see the uptick in inflation. So you are not going to necessarily see it as much in the in the yields, in the bond yields, but you'll see maybe in break even in expectations for inflation. You know, you know, if if you look at the you know, demand now is, is still pretty weak. If you look at the commodities, if you look at the you know just uh, uh, you know. Uh, population traveling, you know, going to shopping mall, driving cars, all it's pretty much subdued. You know, once when you have a reopening, I think some bottlenecks will appear there and you will see some inflationary pressure. Again, you're seeing it a little bit in, in expectations, you're not seeing in the yields. And we think that's actually a good thing for value because value should, should react to inflation expectation and not necessarily yields if the yields are pinned by central banks. What do you think the biggest risk is to your forecast? So the risk to, to forecast, I mean, as I mentioned already, one is is on, on some sort of uh, disruptive contention of elections. So that would be one risk. Um, that's that's really what we see as as the main risk. You know, COVID could COVID turn for uh, turn for much much worse, something worse than we saw in, in March. We think it's it's unlikely. Of course, one cannot exclude that possibility, but we think it's that, that that's less likely. You know, so so some combination of political chaos and maybe worsening COVID, you know, could potentially uh, put us in a uh, in, in a sort of double dip or W uh, situation. Again, we do not expect that, but I would say that would be the, the risk. I have Josh Brown for you as well, Josh. Hey, Marco, I was talking to a, a client who said, give me one reason why we'll see Dow over 30,000 uh, 30, in the next couple of months. I can't imagine it. Everything seems so horrible. One of the things we talked about was the fact that every negative catalyst over the last 10 years that we've all been aware of, every deadline, every moratorium, every election, they've all resolved positively. So how about this for a scenario? Grade this. Give me a letter grade on this. Um, we get one, possibly two vaccine approvals between now and the end of the year. There is a mild amount of election chaos, but we end up with a definitive winner in the end, even if it takes the Supreme Court sometime in December to decide it. Um, and you get a stimulus and the comps for the first two quarters of next year absolutely demolish the comps for the first half of this year, which would not be very difficult to do, considering that half the economy was shut down. In that scenario, you could easily see the Dow 10 to 15 percent higher or 3,000 points higher than where it is. What would you say about that potential uh, pathway to turn all of these negatives into positives over the next few months? Well, well, Josh, that's actually that's actually our our base case scenario. I have to say, you know, and 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 again on vaccine, I think we will get vaccine. You know, we'll see exactly details, but but we'll you know, vaccines are 19th century technology. You know, we shouldn't be surprised with 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 vaccine. And as I mentioned, Russia and China already have some some results there. So that's one thing. On the sort of stimulus, I think we will see the stimulus. You know, the question is what kind of stimulus? You know, is it going to be geared more towards uh, towards infrastructure or, or you know, is it going to be more Republican or Democrats? Let's put, let's put it sort of simply. It'll be checks. Uh, but we'll, It'll be yeah. checks. It's faster. You know, ex exactly. So we will see. We will see. And, and frankly, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be surprised that we see it in the next 24 hours, you know, because stimulus is good for, at this point, I think, politically both parties, you know. So, so I think we'll get some stimulus. Question is how big, you know. And, and as I mentioned, 
then some volatility will need to decline once when we have a, a bit more certainty after election, you know, whether it's a few days or a few weeks, but we will get some certainty. And, you know, once when the volatility declines, uh, various strategy, including systematic, but also discretionary ones, tend to actually start adding risk, if not uh, just you know by by the sort of mechanically by the risk management. You know, volatility goes down, you can actually add up a bit of a leverage. What what happens, Marco, if there's a, a sizable air pocket though beneath uh, technology? Not only these mega cap growth names, but some of the lower tier ones, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the Pelotons of the world and not calling that out specifically, but you know the kinds of stocks I'm talking about, which yes. have had meteoric rises, gains of 300, 400, in some cases like 600 percent uh, year to date. W what happens if there's an air pocket to those? Is yes. everything fine with that, right? I mean, you know, SPACs, people are wondering what the greater message, if any, is in the proliferation of SPACs, what it means to where the overall market is and valuations. What do you say to that? I think so. That's a very good point, and probably I should have mentioned that as one of the potential risks, you know. But it's it's a bit more sort of on a relative basis, uh, sectors and styles, you know. But but you're very right, you know. Uh, again, not naming any names, uh, but broadly growth stocks, and and they are largely, uh, you know, in technology in technology sectors. You know, they did run run a lot. Positioning is pretty stretched. So we are advocating for this rotation into value uh, and and cyclicals. Now, uh, as you pointed. These sectors are a big part of the market, you know. So if this rotation becomes uh, a bit more with with some sort of negative sentiment in 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 in, in, in you know or coincides with some other negative developments, rotation. Uh, could potentially actually put a pressure on overall market. So again, it's not our base case. We think this rotation happened in a positive market environment where people expect fastest growth, there is a vaccine, and they basically go into cyclicals and value, and they rotate a little bit out of the momentum, but not enough to put these stocks down in the red in absolute terms. Now, what you're saying, and I, I do think it's a, it's a possibility, if you do have a bit of a negative backdrop plus rotation, you know, just given how big technology and growth sector is, it could actually put a pressure on the overall market. You know, so I don't think it leads to some big crash or, or you know, I think it's a more of a hiccup that we saw, for instance, in the early September. Uh, but it's it's a risk. You know, it, it's a risk. And I think that's a very good point. I'm also trying to think of to what degree would virus news be something that the market would truly be interested in at a time when Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who's on this network every day and was saying earlier today, you're basically a week away. He thinks from a you know a pretty big pickup in cases if you do have an exceptionally large ramp up in cases but no lockdown in any great numbers is that okay with the, the market or is merely a big pickup in cases going to be a big enough scare that maybe it impacts consumer behavior and then that thus impacts mm -hmm. the stock market mm -hmm. so I tend to be more positive out of consensus on that one. So, so I think, again, uh, you, you see pick up in cases. Um, you know, I, I think our understanding of disease is, is improving. You know, our ways to treat disease is proving market may look through it a little bit. Um, and, and uh, I mean, you know, people are split in terms of how to react. You know, do you put a lockdowns or not? And I think increasing part of population is sort of, less in favor of, of lockdown so so it becomes also then a political question which is going to correlate with the outcome you know outcome which, which we see in November you know so so I look at it a bit more positive I think we, we have said in, in 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 April and May we said look there is going to be a second wave it's going to be coming in a fall but it's going to be much smaller you know like so now the risk is that it's not that much smaller you know but so far 
the data that we track for all the analytics uh, show that at least when it comes to mortality and ICU that, that, that it's going to be quite a bit smaller. So, so we think economy should be able to sort of uh, somehow, you know, go through it. And, and it's, it's a tough time, but we don't think it's going to it's going to basically lead to widespread economic lockdown. That said, you know, it's 2020, so anything can happen. What do you make of small caps and mid caps here? We got a lot of calls out lately that that's a yeah. place that investors want to be. Are you what? on board? Yes, I mean, that's a value trade, basically. That's a value. You know, people trade small cap versus NASDAQ when, when they believe in momentum and growth, when there is a lockdown, fears, they go into NASDAQ, right? You know, many of these technology stocks, they benefit from lockdowns. You know, when they feel more bullish about economy, about smaller businesses, about reopening, they go into, into, into value cyclicals. And, and that's basically what, what Russell and small caps are made of. So our calls on value is also implicitly call on sort of, you know, small caps over NASDAQ as, you know, as we all know, so far it didn't work because we did have a lot of COVID and lockdowns and economic sort of economic uh, uh, freefall or a slowdown. So, uh, so, so we think that uh, that trade will work. But again, catalysts are the same as I mentioned for the value. So it's more certainty, more growth, and and, and vaccine. Last question goes to Jim Labenthal. Jim. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Marco, for joining us. This discussion of value versus growth, cyclicals versus momentum, do you think maybe we're painting with too broad of a brushstroke? Um, you know, within value, you can see that industrials have a heck of a bid, and there's a fundamental reason for it. You can equally see that financials keep sputtering, and there's fundamental reasons for that as well. Are we painting with too broad of a brushstroke? Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I, I, I will talk a little bit about it now because I think that's a very good point. And, and, and uh, we at least see uh, two types of value and, you know, potentially four. But, you know, the first two, one, I would broadly call them Biden value and Trump value, you know, and, and as you mentioned, Biden value is tied more into infrastructure stimulus, you know, so those would be sort of materials, industrials on one side, you know, Trump value would be uh, more into sort of uh, uh, deregulation or, or maybe lack of some of these uh, ideas that are coming from Biden, and those would be energy and banks or financials, you know, like, so I would, I would split the value into, into these two camps on one side, materials, industrials, which are now pricing in more of a Biden victory, and then uh, you have a energy and financials, which are a little bit on the other side, uh, and they would, do, uh, they would do better under Trump. Uh, so those, then also you have a quality, you know, you have a companies which are, you know, higher quality and lower quality, um, you know, and then also you have the sort of coronavirus split also, so within the value uh, as well. But I would, I, that's a very good point, you know, and, and as you said, materials industrials rallied quite a bit. On the other side, basically, energy and financials are trading where they were trading back in April, uh, which we think doesn't make sense because since April, I think we came a long way uh, in terms of virus, in terms of economic stimulus, and, and, and even recovery from, from this disaster from the first half of the year. We appreciate your time very much. Enjoyed the conversation. Congrats again on the honor from institutional investor. Marco, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. Scott. All right. That's Marco Kalanovich, J.P. Morgan. Um, all right. Jason Snipe. You've had the luxury of listening to all of this, the questions, the answers, and put it all into context for how you're thinking now about the stock market. Yeah, so I, I agree largely with a lot of Marco's points. I think for us, we really look to, you know, post-election, right? Like, what are, what are the bipartisan issues that we feel like will get done and will have some impact or a catalyst for the stock market? And those two really are what, what Marco just described as stimulus and, um, you know, some form of potentially infrastructure deal. So for, for us, we really look to kind of consumer stocks, you know, and 
that will impact that will have an impact from from some form of stimulus being passed, and also some of the industrial and material names that I think will will kind of bowl well in some form of, a, of an infrastructure deal being being done as well. It's really interesting, um, Steph, the way that Marco broke down one of the key ways to think about where stocks could go, this value versus growth, but specifically within value, the so-called Biden value, materials and industrials versus Trump value, energy and financials, which I think you could make the case, regardless of what you think is going to happen with the election, energy doesn't seem to have much of a bid at all to it, and financials keep spinning their wheels, the bank specifically, we should note, spinning in place where at least there's been some kind of pickup in materials, industrials, and whether you think that's maybe directly related to the market starting to price in a Biden victory. Yeah, not only a Biden victory, but a blue wave, right? But I, I wouldn't necessarily rule out an infrastructure bill if Trump, if status quo happens, for example, right? And that is because manufacturing in itself is, is, has such a, a large multiplier impact to jobs. For every one job that is created in manufacturing, 7.7 .7 other jobs are created. So if you really want to get this economy back where we were and get unemployment down further uh, and really make inroads there, you just focus on manufacturing along with all these other things that we've been talking about in terms of the liquidity spigot continuing to be on. To your point on value and what kinds of value, I actually think that there's a very big difference between cyclicals and value, right? I mean, cyclicals are going to win. Some of them happen to be in the value industries, like industrials, materials, financials, discretionary, right? But I really do believe that if you think all this liquidity is going to continue to help the economy, and if we get more, it definitely will. Uh, not every piece of the economy is doing well, but I think manufacturing will continue to do well. Those are, those are definitely cyclicals. Auto will continue to do well. Those are cyclicals. Housing. Look at the housing numbers we got today. The single family permits up 24% year over year and starts up 22% year over year. So all of those are cyclical, right? And so you could tell me that some of the travel and leisure and, and hospitality companies are value, but I think they're value traps until you can reopen consistently. Doesn't sound to me, Jim, I mean, look, you, you sold Chevron and you put that money into, into Marathon Petroleum, but what does that say about where you believe this value trade is going to go? Uh, great question, and the answer is uh, that particular trade says I don't care about where it goes. What I've done there is I've taken a macroeconomic stock, Chevron Texaco, and I've chucked it overboard. When I say macroeconomic, Chevron Texaco is going to go up and down, basically with the production of oil. Marathon Petroleum is very much a single stock with a story behind it. They're selling their gas chain Speedway for $21 billion cash. Their market cap is $20 billion. Their enterprise value is $50 billion. That's a story, a stock-specific story that I can get behind. I'm actually very, very tired of this value versus growth and this fiscal stimulus is on and off. Only, I, you're I just only tired of it. You're only tired picking. of it because you keep trying to pick value stocks. You keep trying to make the argument That's that value true. is going to no, have its no, moment in the sun, no, Jim. No. Yeah, well, listen, it's true that I have value stocks. It's true that I have a balanced portfolio I'd as well. I'd be tired of it, too. I've got plenty of growth tech stocks. No, 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 you're not listening to me. I've got plenty of growth tech stocks, okay? I've got Apple. I've got Google. I've got Qualcomm. I mean, it's not, it's not all value. Um, but, you know, look, what I want to be at heart is a stock-specific picker here. I don't want to make a big bet value versus growth or the fiscal stimulus is coming or not. I want to pick undervalued stocks whatever style they're in. All right.
Well, let's move to the other big story. What some are calling the biggest antitrust case of this generation, the Department of Justice suing Google, alleging that it abused its position in search and search advertising. Everybody owns it. So we'll start with Jason. What do you think about this? I mean, Google specific and then maybe what it means to overall mega cap tech. Yeah, so, I, so I, you know, as I kind of look through the case and I look at the kind of the major tenets behind, you know, what, what they're proposing, you know, one, how is this, how does this affect the consumer? And traditionally, how does it affect other competitors? You know, I, I, the first base case is hard for me to kind of pick to put together. You know, the, the case for how it affects uh, competitors, you know, I think there's a larger case for that. You know, but the reality is Google's a free service. Um, you know, if you kind of look to the Microsoft, you know, case, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, breaking them up actually bode well for Microsoft. So this is going to take some time, you know, and we'll kind of see how it plays out. But, you know, I, for me, it, it doesn't mean it's not a material change for us and kind of moving out or adding to the to the name right now. Yeah, maybe the market seems to agree with you, Josh. I mean, that's the, the message today is, yeah, this is, you know, not unexpected and they'll get through it, pay a fine, whatever they have to do if it gets that far and then Google will be fine, a fine place to invest your money. Is that your read? Yeah, like if, if you run out of Ambien tonight and you need to get some, get, some, get some sleep, just, you know, read more about this antitrust thing. It is like one of the biggest non-events I've ever seen. Uh, and the stock is like green on the news. So uh, everyone knew it was coming, number one. Number two, everyone knows the timing of it is politically motivated. Um, this was one of... Uh, uh, Mr. Trump's promises that he was going to take on big tech, whatever that means. So Google's an easy target, and uh, they got a couple of states to sign on. But basically what Google says about their competitors is true. Competition is a click away. This isn't like they have a monopoly on the railroads and you have to use their cars to ship. You are welcome to go use Bing. And I guarantee you, if a page popped up every time you opened up your computer and it offered you those two options you would never use Bing. That's why 80% of search traffic in the United States is on Google. It, they don't have a gun to anyone's head. Uh, that's number one. Number two, half of all shopping searches begin on Amazon, not Google. So there is legitimate competition. They're just better than everyone. So I, I'm in the stock. I'm not planning to make any changes. I assume this will end up being a multi-billion dollar fine, and maybe they'll have to build in ways for people to use DuckDuckGo or whatever other nonsensical competitors exist. And, you know, life will go on. You're well, still going to be Googling things this time next year. Let, let me ask you this then, Josh. It, to the degree that Google had, or Alphabet has underperformed its mega cap competitors, does this do anything to jumpstart it to get back to where those other stocks are? It, it has been an underperformer for one reason. I mean, I get it, the economy and advertising and things like that. But if you're looking for a catalyst to get that stock back, so to speak, still up 15% or so year to date, this doesn't necessarily help you. Right. I don't, I don't think a, a Department of Justice antitrust suit is going to be the catalyst. For sure. That, but uh, that's my point. That's my point, right? If you're looking for something to, to build a case that Google can get closer in performance to its mega cap peers, this hurts your case, yeah. if it'll nothing be tough. else. It'll, it'll be tough. I'll, I'll I'll, it'll be tough. I'll tell you why. The larger Google gets, and Facebook will run into this eventually also, the larger they get, the more they require a actual economic growth around the world um, in order to continue their growth rate. Because eventually, 
they become such a large part of the global advertising market. Um, so for the last 20 years, they've just been eating into that market, but now they are the market. Between Google and Facebook, it's a duopoly, uh, at least online. And um, so they're going to run into that limitation, and I think it's very hard to be this size and still find ways to grow 20%, 30% a year and drop 20% in profits to the bottom line. It becomes very difficult. Now, will any of the things in the quote-unquote other bets category become standalone businesses or become interesting to investors? Perhaps. Waymo is, is the most well-known, but you know they have an airplane to hang around in California. They're working on moonshots around the clock. Ruth Porat is trying to keep them financially disciplined so they don't have a trillion dollars they could throw at these projects. But we don't really know what else Google is working on. Uh, that could be its next YouTube. Yeah. We just don't. Um, I hear you. And so that's why I'm in the stock because I think me, I have that upside uh, potential in the future. Let me take a quick break. We'll come back up next. Uber is trading at session highs now. The CEO is making comments. We'll trade that coming up. And as a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. The National Security Agency, for the first time, linking Chinese government hackers to a number of known vulnerabilities. The agency says Chinese-sponsored attacks are a critical priority in need of urgent attention. In Houston, two officers were shot before a SWAT team was sent to the scene. Authorities say the suspect shooter has been arrested. Both officers have been taken to the hospital. Officials have not yet commented on their condition. Britain reporting another 21,000 new COVID-19 cases today, just short of the record set earlier this month. The daily death toll shot up to 243. That is triple yesterday's figure. And shoppers are planning to visit fewer retail stores than ever this holiday season. That's according to an annual survey from consulting firm Deloitte. The average consumer will visit about five stores down from seven last year, many of them citing the pandemic as the reason why. You are up to date. That's the news update. Scott, I'll send it back to you. I right, appreciate that. Sue Herrera, thank you very much. Let's take a look at shares now of Uber trading around session highs. As CEO Dara Khosrowshahi saying the recovery in rides is being led by Asia, but that U.S. volumes do remain down. The stock is now up better than 7 percent. Also said that prices are set to rise in several large cities and up to 100 percent in small cities in California. That if Prop 22 fails. Josh, you own it. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen at the ballot box in a couple weeks from today. But how do you view those comments and this stock's move today? Um, I, I'm, in, I'm in the name. This is one of the stocks I doubled down on this spring while uh, it was getting crushed because of um, the, the virus. And I really didn't expect a quick recovery here. But I will tell you, I do think that there is a future of people actually needing to get into a car and be taken somewhere. And Uber, uh, on the other side of this, is going to look more and more like uh, a utility that the world needs than people realize at this moment in time. So thank God for Eats. Eats is the reason this thing hasn't been trashed like Lyft. 
Uh, it's kept the company going through some pretty dark times, and I think that'll continue. But if and when we, we open, this is one of my number one plays. I will probably be adding more to it as it breaks its all-time high at 44, if and when that happens. And I wouldn't be surprised if the stock is not much higher this time next, uh, next fall. All right, interesting. Uh, as we're watching uh, Uber shares up about 7%. Let's talk about some moves, Jason. Uh, you bought AutoZone and Wayfair. Tell us. I did. I did. So AutoZone for us, you know, we, we looked at it, uh, you know, kind of along that uh, consumer discretionary theme. You know, their gross sales are up uh, prior year, 14%, um, 21% growth in the quarter, uh, which is historic since best quarter since uh, 91 when they went public. Um, and then I think there's just some fundamental tailwinds there. You know, we're driving more. Uh, you see what's kind of going on with the airline industry. Obviously, you know, gasoline prices are lower. You know, so I, I think those are those are just great movements for the stock. Um, and then the other one was Wayfair. Wayfair is, you know, I'll be honest with you, we missed the early part of this. You know, it's a momentum name for us. But I do believe, you know, that, uh, you know, the stay-at-home theme uh, or work-from-anywhere theme, you know, they'll continue to benefit from that. And also, you know, as, as the brick-and-mortar stores unfortunately continue to close, I think Wayfair, you know, as a pure e-commerce play, will continue to benefit. Okay. We will take another quick break. Coming up, NFL linebacker and a member of CNBC's Financial Wellness Council, Brandon Copeland, joins us. We'll get his advice for protecting your investments during the pandemic and much more. The professor is in the house next on The Half. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I want to call your attention to stocks, which you can see have made a bit of a move higher here on some comments from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi that she is optimistic on stimulus that the economy needs it. Her conversations, of course, continue with the Treasury Secretary. We'll see if they can't move the football uh, towards the goal line a little bit closer. But uh, those comments seem to have given a little bit of a boost for stocks. Highs of the day for the Dow, good for 254 points. I just showed you the S&P 500. The Nasdaq was getting a nice little bid as well on a story we all continue to watch very closely. Well, CNBC has partnered with Acorns, the saving and investing app on a financial wellness and education initiative called Invest in You. Ready, set, grow. Our next guest, Brandon Copeland of the New England Patriots, is partnering with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to hold a town hall on managing money during this pandemic. It's good to see you again. Welcome back. Always, always a pleasure. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I haven't talked to you in a while, and we'll get to the consumer uh, protection thing you're doing in, in just a second. But can you just tell me in, in general um, how this whole COVID episode and saga has impacted the way that you're thinking about money these days and the message that you're telling players who, who you're speaking to about and those you're approaching? Yeah, like I think like millions of Americans and even looking at it, not even just Americans, just everyone in the, in the world right now, uh, you never know when your last paycheck could be. So um, I think given the sport, the violent sport that we play um, as football players, that's always the case. But now, I mean, we've seen games be postponed. We've seen games be pushed back. And, you know, there's a lot of us in the locker room who don't know um, if we'll finish the season in its, in its entirety. I have faith that we will. However, it, it just echoes the fact that you need to 
be preparing for the future and preparing for a shutdown or a loss of income at all times. You, you're thinking about your own money differently these days? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm not a big spender, so for me it's kind of the same. I think I try to um, look at the glasses half full and, and think about the places where we are winning as a result of the pandemic and the shutdown. We're, we're saving a lot more money on travel, um, saving a lot more money on eating out and, and all of those different things. So I'm also trying to, to double down on certain things, pay off as much debt as possible um, and find, you know, new investments to uh, think long term. Yeah, you, you mentioned there sort of in passing that you are optimistic about finishing the season. The Patriots have had, I think, five positive tests to this point. What have the last yeah. few likes, uh, last few weeks been been like? For you, Cam yeah. Newton, obviously, uh, one of the most high-profile people in sports to test positive, certainly in the NFL. What's the environment been like around the Patriots? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a test of everyone's uh, willpower, maturity, and, and preparation. Uh, one, on the football field, but, but more importantly, I think off the field. It's, it definitely, uh, once you get that type of news, you know, at, you start replanning your head. Hey, was I around this guy? How long was I around this person? All of those types of things. But ultimately, the, the team has done everything they can to keep us safe, keep us distance. Um, we're, we're doing following all the protocols, wearing our masks all the time, even during practice at times. Uh, so, you know, we're just trying to do hone in on the things that we can control and, and understand that that there will be Unfortunately, there will be moments like this that that, you know, scare you, but you have to lock in. We have a job to do and and ultimately we have to get it done. So um, I'm sorry, let's say let's talk about the CFPB thing you're, you're doing this this town hall. What is your congratulations on that, by the way? What's your message going to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think when I found out that millions of Americans still have not received their stimulus checks, some don't know that they're eligible for them. Some don't know how to go and, and uh, give the right information so that they can receive them. You know, that to me was was frightening. So uh, I'm teaming up with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and their director, Kathy Craninger, and we're going to be talking through all of these resources, mortgage forbearance, and then also some money management tips to help people get through uh, this pandemic. Pressure bust pipes, but it also creates diamonds. So you know, we also we want to urge people to go to cfpb.gov slash town hall and register completely free, uh, share it with a friend and, and come bring your questions so uh, we can dive into some of these resources that uh, you are entitled to. We wish you well. We're proud of what Thank you're doing. Stay safe. We'll talk to you again soon. Likewise. Take care. All right. That's Brandon Copeland joining us there. For more about our interview with Brandon, go to cnbc.com slash invest in you. And you can see Brandon sit down with Consumer Financial Protection Bureau Director Kathleen Kreninger in a virtual town hall. That's next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern called Pressure Creates Diamonds, Money Management During Coronavirus. To register, you can go to cfpb.gov slash town hall. And one last thing, we should note that NBC Universal and Comcast Ventures are investors in Acorns. Coming up, GM rallying following its move to ramp up its EV production. One of our experts owns that stock. He'll talk about it. We'll debate it next. Welcome back. GM shares rallying after announcing it will invest more than $2 billion in EV production. Bank of America saying GM remains underappreciated by most investors, not Farmer Jim, though, who has appreciated it for a <laughs> long time. The question is, does he still? Yeah. Farmer Jim. I, I've 
Very much so, Judge. Um, look, there's a lot of things going right for GM. Um, the electric vehicle business that they've got is actually a viable contender. Now, Tesla is the market leader. We know that. But GM is a viable contender in the space. In autonomous vehicle, they're actually operating driverless cars out in San Francisco. They're, again, a competitor there, uh, this time against Waymo. But I think underneath this, you've got to recognize that auto production is picking up mightily here. And we're, we're just a few percentage points away in terms of monthly SAR, uh, annual sales, sales in North America, from where we were at the beginning of the year. And the last thing is, I'll just say on this as far as catalysts, I'm wondering if GM puts their dividend back in soon. You know, they took it out uh, back in April when the pandemic and the recession were at their worst, but things have improved quite a bit. They've cut costs permanently. I think they've got room to install that dividend, and that's something I'm looking for. Okay, nice move today for GM. Farmer Jim, thank you very much. Copper is trading at its 2018 highs. How traders are playing that move next on the half. All right, welcome back. Time for the futures outlook. Copper, as we said, hitting its highest levels now since 2018. It's up more than 30% this year. Let's bring in Bill Baruch of Blue Line Futures and Brian Stutland of Equity Armor Investments. Guys, good to see you. Bill Baruch, you first. Where does it go from here? Strong demand out of China is, is obviously driving this here. Uh, hopes of U.S. stimulus, hopes of more infrastructure spending. Let's also not forget the Chinese yuan. So we do have a breakout on our hands, out above a trend line from 2011. And then we pulled back and retested it. Very constructive. But don't get too excited too quick because there's still a nice little channel here. If you can draw from the July highs and the August lows that we're running into today. We're still range bound, but I do expect it to break out after the election and into 2021. Stutz? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at copper and you look at the manufacturing picture and some of the good numbers we're getting out of China here, if the economy starts to get back on track in 2021, if we get a vaccine and things start moving along, there's been so much money pumped in the system. It seems like every commodity is sort of taking a turn and breaking out to the upside as we've seen that go on this whole year from lumber, copper, gold, whatever it is. Someone has a turn to break out. It's now copper's turn. I expect an upside objective here of 340 on copper. I think the breakout above 310 after this little bottoming process, if you've taken a look at it over the last month or so, the next breakout level would be resistance up at 340. I think we can get to there by the end of the year. It seems like the bull market and the money being pumped in, if we get a stimulus package passed finally, whether it's either this week or after the election, that's going to move copper to the upside. Okay, good stuff. Guys, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. We'll take another quick break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades. Let's bring in Rahel Solomon. She is watching some big social media names following a number of price target hikes. Hey, Rahel. Hey, Scott. So nearly all of these revisions are on increased ad spend. Let's begin with Snap, which reports third quarter results after the bell, seeing price target increases at Jefferies, Evercore, Credit Suisse, and Rosenblatt, with Jefferies suggesting that investors may see a big beat tonight. Their checks indicate greater ad spend each month, and that's despite management concerns that back to school could be a headwind. Pinterest gets price target hikes at Credit Suisse and Rosenblatt. Target here goes to 36 and 30, respectively. Snap and Pinterest, by the way, Scott, hit 52-week highs yesterday. Jeffrey is also raising the price target for Google. This goes to 1850 from 1800 Twitter also sees its price outlook raised. This is by Jeffries, Evercore, and Rosenblatt, with Evercore noting that conversations with advertisers lead them to raise their short-term estimates, but they're more conservative for 2021, with Jeffries echoing that Twitter remains a show-me story. And finally, Facebook, which you can see is up.
almost 2%. So getting a price target increase at Jefferies, Rosenblatt, Credit Suisse, and Evercore, all raising their price targets for the company, with Credit Suisse pointing to higher ad spend across Facebook and Instagram as stay-at-home engagement with the platforms rose, as many of us stay at home, Scott. All right, Rahel, thank you. Stephanie Link, Twitter, what do you tell us? Twitter, I mean, <clears throat> the risk reward is not as favorable as it was going into last quarter. It's a 43% year to date. It's the second best social media stock in the third quarter. But it trades at only 10 times, 10.7 times price to sales, and Snap trades at 21 times. So a big discount, and it's still like what they're doing in terms of the momentum in monetizing their daily active users. Remember last quarter, it was up 35%. So I, I think the momentum can continue, and I hope that they're going to continue to be disciplined on expenses. They, they did a very good job last quarter. I hope that continues, and I think it will. All right, we shall I see. I like it. All right, good stuff. Uh, let's do final trades. Jason, why don't you start us off? It's good to see you again. Good to see you. Activation Blizzard is one for us. Client, I mean, gaming and gaming uh, engagement is at all-time high. Refresh a Call of Duty heading into the holiday season. We like it. Okay, Farmer Jim. Yeah, Goldman Sachs, a little bit news today that it's putting the 1MDB scandal further behind it. This is a financial that's not so tied to the net interest margin and steepness of the yield curve. I like Goldman Sachs right now. Okay, Josh Brown. I think Farmer Jim's going to make some money with General Motors. GM looks like it's headed higher. No real <laughs> resistance until about 41, 42. Wow. Uh, I, I would buy it here. All right. Steph, you got a quick name for me? Marriott. It's a right. reopened stock. Have to have patience, but I like it. All right. Good stuff, guys. We'll see you. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.